Isn't God always good? He's always good. He's got a plan and a purpose for us. He loves you so much. Jesus loves you so much. I need to say that again. Jesus loves you so much. And you need to know that. You need to know that it's Jesus. It's all about Him. Nothing else matters. No one else matters except for Him. Who believes that? Who believes that? That's why that name, that's why we put that name on our back wall. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. It's all about Jesus. We just thank you, Lord, for what you've done in us. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in us and what you're going to do, Lord, in us and through us. In Jesus' name. Just want to talk to you today about a, uh, a topic. I'm not sure how long I'll talk about it, whether it's going to be in the next week or the next weeks. But I want to talk to you about a, 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 a line that the Lord is saying to you. This is what the Lord is saying to each and every one of you. He says, give me your little. I want you to say that out loud. Give me your little. The Lord is asking you of your little. You don't seem convinced. <laughs> the Lord is asking us all of our little. And he is not um, disappointed with you. He is not surprised at where you're at in your life. He is not uh, judging you. He is not condemning you. These are all things that the world does and the devil does. The Lord loves you exactly where you're at right now. And on, the only thing the Lord ever asks of you your entire life is just to give him you. All he needs is you. He doesn't need a whole bunch. God was perfectly capable of creating the world we see and know without us. Did you know that? Who was with God when he made the world? He poses that question to Job. Anybody ever read the book of Job? They're wondering for 40 chapters in their own minds, trying to figure God out, trying to figure things out. And then God finally says, let me, let me just ask you some questions. Were you with me? <laughs> Were you with me when I made this and when I made that? And the obvious answer is no. The answer is that God is God all by himself and that he welcomed us into a place of communion, into a place of relationship, into a place of fellowship with him by his choice. He was not compelled to do it except by anything but his love. He did it because he loves us. And then when God welcomed us into communion with him, to sit with him and to be one with him, then the God stuff the God-creating stuff, the God-above-this-world stuff. I hate to, to lower it down like that, but I can't even put it into human words. That place that God is sitting in, the, the place of power, the place of authority, and the place above the waters, right? Jesus walked on the waters, and he could walk on the waters because he sits above the globe, <laughs> 
He sits above, the Bible says, above the circle of the earth, right? He sits above it, so it's not too hard for him to walk on the waters. He sits above. I've been asking the question these last couple of weeks. I've just been wondering, how does the earth just float in space? What makes it just sit there and float? <laughs> what is it? Right? The earth, we say we have gravity, some sort of magnetic force, right? Metals in our bodies and the, and, the, and, and the magnet of the earth, right? Holding us down or whatever, right? There's some more signs to that. But what holds the earth right where it is? What keeps it in place? Why doesn't it fall? And if it did fall, where would it fall to? God is big, isn't he? He's bigger than us, and he's God all by himself. And it's so funny that we argue with God. Isn't it funny that we argue with God? Who's argued with God before? Let's just be honest. But isn't it funny that we argue with him? I think he knows better. It's like a parent with a child. You're either one or, the, you, you're either a one or both. You're one way or the other, you're a child here, but you may be a parent as well. You've seen both sides if you're a parent and a child. And the reality is, as a young person, you don't know too much. And as an older person, you realize how little you still know, but you're willing to learn and listen. <laughs> but as a child, you say, I know best, and we don't listen to our elders or our parents, do we? We listen partially. We listen to the parts that are easy or comfortable for us. But there is a, uh, a learning that happens with age, some maturity that we realize that, wow, I think mom or dad did know more than I did. I thought that money grew on trees, right? Most children just say to their parents, why can't I have such and such? Well, I want to give you everything. I want to give you as much as I can, but I just don't have it. God is so much bigger. That's from a parent to a child. Now we got to go to God's mind. We can't even fathom it. How can you even understand it? It's so big. If a parent knows more than a child, but the child doesn't think the parent knows best, then what about God? What about us, his creation? Right? David says, I can't even, I don't even understand it, God. How is it that you think about us? How is it that you, being God, care about little us? And I just want you to be settled in this. He does. Even in the bigness and in the greatness of who he is, he cares about each and every one of you. And more than that, not only does he care about you, but in his greatness, in his godness, <laughs> above everything, he has chosen to do something that I think if we were God, we may not have done, which is this. Not only is he God all by himself, but he loves us, but he also wants to work his God-like nature through little us. That's his purpose. Did you know that? If you didn't know that, I'm telling you now. God wants to use you. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you 
And this is the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep hammering this. I said this in last week or the week before. I'm just going to make some, a statement I'm going to say often that we need to separate God's love from God's purpose. God's love is unconditional. It doesn't need you to love him. It doesn't need you to do anything for him. His love is his love. He laid down his life, the Bible says, while we were still sinners. That means before you committed the sins you've committed, 2,000 years after his death, that was already in his mind and in his heart on the cross. Isn't that incredible? But that's his love. Then there's his purpose for your life. His love is unconditional, but his purpose in your life is conditional. The purpose in your life from God is conditional. Nobody forced you to say yes to Jesus. You felt compelled. <laughs> Jesus has a way of compelling us, doesn't he? He's compelled us to say, I surrender. He's compelled us to say, I want to live my life for you, but he did not force us. And he doesn't force you really to do anything. God has made it clear in his word what his will is. God's will, if you want to know, well, what is God's will in my life? Well, his word has been preserved for thousands of years for you. If you want to know his will, it is right here in his word. But God's will, even though it is his will, it's like his love. It's, it cannot be touched. It cannot be changed. It cannot be altered. But you don't need to follow it, to exist, to be a human. You don't have to do anything for God. He doesn't lightning bolt everybody off the earth instantaneously when they say no to him. Because of his love, the, the, the untouched, the, the, the unchanged, can't be touched love of God and the grace of God, it doesn't matter whether you choose him or not, he will still try for your entire life to get you to choose him. Your entire life. Every single breath you take is a choice to either breathe it for yourself or for him. But something happens. Something, I don't like, want to use the word magical and, and say a new age word, but I, how do we describe what happened when Jesus came into our hearts? Something happened, supernatural, beyond. Who's accepted Jesus into your heart and something changed inside you? Something spectacular, something wonderful happened, began in your life. Just like conception, just like the joining together of two seeds became a life. Jesus is Jesus all by himself, and you are you all by yourself. But, and, and technically, um, your life, your plan, 
the purpose that he has for you, the will he has for you, the things you'll do, the things you'll be, and, and the power to do those things is all in him without you. Just like the seed is a seed all by itself, but the male and the female, when it comes together, then it becomes a life. It's only then that it becomes life in this earth. The power of life is in Christ, but it's only life in this earth when it comes together with you. But this is what happens. We've experienced that moment, and we, we love that moment in us. Many of us, like myself, had a moment like that at five years old, and then there was another moment at 15 years old, like there was more and more. You're just opening the doors to God, and He's going to keep He's going to keep, the spark was there, he touched your life, but you just keep opening doors to him. Just keep letting down the barriers to him. That's his way, that's his will in us. Is that the life in Christ is in him all by himself, and you are a carrier, you are a carrier of his Life. Am I making sense so far? Sorry, I'm, I know I like to sometimes I like to start sermons real excited and just get going. I'm talking slow because I need you guys to understand this. I know I'm talking elementary and that's on purpose. Like we know all this. Here's God's purpose in us the life that's in Him, when it comes in us, we chose him to begin with. We need to keep choosing to say yes. We need to make the same choice. We said, yes, Jesus, come into my life. The same exact choice must be made every second, every breath, every day of our lives. Yes, Lord, I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. Jesus was not afraid he was not ashamed of you. He was not too, he was not worried, oh, I don't know about this one. They've just got too much baggage, too much darkness, too much past. I don't know if I can do something in this one. That was not Jesus. Jesus said, I can do beyond what you could possibly imagine. My ways, the Bible said, he says, is so far beyond our imagination, your mind cannot even comprehend what God can and will do in you if you're willing. And Jesus taught us that way, didn't he? Jesus showed us the willingness of surrender brought about the power of the Holy Spirit through his life, didn't he? And that's the same thing he wants to do in you and through you. And Jesus is saying to you, give me your little and I'll give you much. And I want you just to look at these verses in Matthew. I want you to look quickly in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. It says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And I'll just skip right ahead. This crowd was approximately uh, somewhere in the range of 10,000 plus people. We know that. 
because I have inside information a few verses ahead that it was 5,000 men (laughs) and their families. So Jesus saw a huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them. I want you to say that out loud. Jesus has compassion on his world. Jesus has compassion on his world, and he still has the same compassion for this world today. He loves this world so much. Come on, this is the basis. This is elementary. This is elementary gospel Sunday here, that he loved them so much that he died for them, right? He loved them so much, he died for them. What greater love is there than to lay down your life for another? And Jesus did that for us. And it says, that evening the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, verse 16, that isn't necessary. I'll feed them. Wait a second. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. Do you think that Jesus was capable of feeding the people without his disciples? (laughs) Did Jesus need to raise up 12 disciples technically? I mean, he's God. You can say yes, because he had a purpose through humanity. But let's just look at God. God didn't need us to create everything that exists. He didn't need us to set the stars and set the planet floating in space, which doesn't make sense that it floats there. And now all of a sudden, though, that big God says, you feed this people that I have compassion on. God had compassion on them, but he says, you feed them. Everybody, I want you to raise your hands. Jesus has asked, just repeat after me. (laughs) Jesus has asked me to feed his world. Those he has had compassion on. The Lord, even if we don't have compassion on them, the disciples didn't have, they didn't, well, they didn't even understand how they could have compassion on the world. It's too big. It's so beyond us. But God said that he had a way, didn't he? (laughs) God said, you And there's people in our paths that have needs. They're hungry and thirsty, and God wants us. He wants you and me to feed them. He wants to do it through us. Why does God do it through humanity and not do it himself? That's a question you can ask him. I'll stand here. I know his word, and I love preaching his word. But why he chose to do through humanity what he could just do himself, that is just beyond us. It's just his love and his grace. It's just that he wanted to, I mean, I don't have the full explanation. I'll be perfectly honest. He's in his godness. He knows bigger than us, but he chose to show how big he is. I do know this. I can just just describe this, that I'm so big that I will use nothing. Just raise your hand. I am nothing. (laughs) I mean, in the scale of the universe, what are we? 
Science is trying to prove that, you know, we don't mean anything. We're just an accident. They got one thing right. We are tiny. They got it wrong that we don't matter, right? We do matter. We matter so much that God says, I want to do great things through you. You're already following me. Now, this is the key. The disciples were already following Christ, right? These were followers. They had already made that decision just as we have here. But once he chooses you, right? He didn't, you didn't really choose him. He came and chose you and you said yes. That's what happened at your salvation. But once he does that, then as we're following him, the next thing that he wants to do is to move through you. Isn't that incredible? That this big God wants to do stuff through us. Verse 17. They said four key words here. Now, this is the NLT, but I, even just looking into other translations, they say a variation of this type of thing, which is but. Who says but to God before? So first thing we say to God when he tells us to do something, but. And they said, we, another key word, looking at themselves. <laughs> but we only and have. Looking at themselves, looking at their little, it's but. But we only have. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Who knows, God is not surprised by how little you have. He is not surprised. In fact, it's what he does best. The Bible says that when he created the world, it says that he looked at the nothingness, the void, and spoke this world, this existence. He spoke it. Everything that you are, he spoke into the world, and it was. God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anything. Come on. This is to encourage your faith, by the way. If you wonder where this is going, this is not to belittle you. This is to encourage you how much God loves you and how big he is, and yet he wants to work through little us. And he does, not just that he wants to. I mean, and he does work through us if we'll let him. The disciples weren't forced to do this. The disciples willingly, and I've wondered before what they were thinking right now. Okay, Jesus, we're willing, but I don't know how much you're going to give them. I didn't bring a scalpel with me to break down this bread and fish. Because that's what I would need to give them a microscopic sliver of these <laughs> bread and fish. <laughs> but Jesus said, verse 18, bring them here to me. Come on. Jesus said, you're saying to God, I only have. I've got so little. I've got nothing to offer, God. I've got so much baggage. I've got so much past and I've got no gifts, I've got no skills, so-and-so, they're good at this and they're good at that, but I don't have anything to offer. And the Lord says, bring it to me. Bring me your little, he says. 
It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. I pray that you understand, it says in the Amplified, the immeasurable. Everybody say out loud, the immeasurable. I pray that you understand. I want you to know and understand the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of His power in and for us who believe. Come on, I need to say that again. I don't think you believe me today. I know I started slow, but I'm getting moving now. The immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of His power. It's His power. It was His seed in you. It was Him in you. He put Himself in you. You are the conduit for Him to work through. It's Him, but it's in and for us who believe. Come on. Come on. Ephesians chapter 3 says in verse 20, Now all glory to God. Let's read that again. And actually, I'm going to read that in the Amplified again. It says, it says, super abundantly. <laughs> it says in verse 20, All glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. God is able to work in us, it says, infinitely more than we might ask or think. Infinitely. The Amplified says, super abundantly, far above, far over and above all that we dare ask or think. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. That's how big God is. In us. We know how big he is. What we need to understand is his church is how big he wants to be in and through you. Your salvation experience at the cross was the beginning. Yes, that does secure your eternity, but that was the beginning to your life here on earth. There is no purpose for evangelists in heaven. <laughs> there is no purpose to be light in heaven. There's no such thing as darkness. They don't even, there's no sun, there's no moon. The, the Lord is light, there, it's just light. So when the Lord says that we are light to this world, we are salt to this world, that, that we are his ambassadors and so on. Do I need to keep going on all the, the, the analogies he uses to describe who we are in this earth? We are his ambassadors. He doesn't need ambassadors in heaven. It's only Jesus in heaven. At that point, when you have come into heaven, out of this realm and into heaven, there is no more you. Christ in you has worked through you till the death of your flesh. There's no more flesh. It doesn't mean that the, your individuality, the, the, the spirit inside you, but your desires, your plans, your purpose, your will is gone. None of that exists anymore. It's really irrelevant. So Christ 
working in this earth through us is for right now. You have a short window to seize what he wants to do through you. The Bible continues. There's actually a second story. We, we know just very quickly that Jesus, he breaks the loaves. He breaks it into pieces. He distributes it to, distributes it to the people that eat as much as they want. And in addition, it says that there were 12 baskets of leftovers. Leftovers from nothing. Come on. Leftovers from nothing. God's a big God. And when he works through you, he says, you feed them. So you bring your little to him. He takes your little. He breaks it down. He hands it back to you. Come on. Who has experienced with this with God? You give God everything. You give him all of you. You give him your hearts, your past, and all of that we do at the cross. But then we also give him our strengths. We give him our purpose. Come on, it's both sides. It's not just the hurts that you want him to redeem you from, but it's also your plan, your will, your flesh, your desires. You humble yourself before him and give it to him. He gives it back to you. And come on, when it's so... It's really, can I use a word, stupid? Sorry. It's so stupid that we hold back from God. It's so stupid. I mean, I don't have another word because that's like, it's literally, we're only hurting ourselves. Well, actually, that's not the only. And all of those God wants to work through. God is still God. He's still God, but when we hold back, it, it, the thing that he, it's not going to come through your own strength. And we did this four weeks of Joseph series on purpose because the point was that we need to see that he, he's going to, he lowers us, he humbles us, and we come to the place where we're ready for it to come through us in a way that's just bigger and beyond us, right? And you can go ahead and listen to those podcasts, and that's a different sermon, but he actually has a second encounter here as well in Matthew 15, and, and Jesus feeds another crowd. Same scenario, uh, chapter 15, verse 32. Jesus called his disciples, and he told them, I feel sorry for these people. He's got compassion again. And they say, uh, they have been here. He says, they've been here with three, for three days, and they've got nothing to eat, and I don't want to send them away hungry. And it says in verse 33, the disciples replied, which is really funny, I don't know what the time frame is from the 5,000 to the 4,000 here in chapter 15. It's only a chapter away. But if you were the disciples, wouldn't you think at this point, okay, God, I got this. Come on, this is funny. We can't judge them because we've all been here in other areas in our life. Who's, who's had God do something in your life, but then the next time the trial comes, you don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do this time. God, you did it last time, but this, time, this is just, I don't know. You paid that last bill, but now this is a bigger hole than I thought. It's so stupid that we doubt God. It's silly. It's such silliness, but the disciples do it. So that gives you some peace that we're all humans and God's still willing to work through that. He's still willing to work through you. Even when we, we question him again, we're still bringing up our lack to him. He says, I don't care how little you have. They said, where would we get enough food here in the wilderness for such a huge crowd? 
And I love what Jesus said. This was like the one line. It was going through my heart all week. This line right here in verse 34. Jesus asked, how much do you have? (laughs) I just love this. We're telling God how little we have, what we don't have. The only thing he's asking is, how much do you have? How much do you have? I, I couldn't possibly, Lord. There's no way. I don't have the strength. I don't have the energy. Uh, I don't have the experience, et cetera, et cetera. The excuses before God. We've all given God our excuses. And God says to you, well, what can you give me? Do you know the Lord is, com- he is completely and perfectly content with the little you have. And let me tell you why he's content with that. Because it was all they had. You give Jesus all you have. Come on, I'm not telling, this is not a sermon to tell you, wow. So what he's saying is, all I have to do is just, you know, casually, I only need to give him one minute out of X minutes of 24 hours a day, right? I'll just give him a minute of my time because he doesn't need much. What he's saying is, I don't need much. Just give me all that you have. (laughs) Let me say that again. We need to realize that all that we have is little. Come on. You could give God everything. You could be super Christian. It's still very little to God. Just give him all that you have. I don't need much. I just need all that you have. Are you guys getting this today? Does this make sense? You give Jesus everything, Jesus loves multiplying. He loves, that's the picture of Christ. Christ gave us everything. Because of Christ, he didn't hold back even his own life. And it produced, we are sitting here today as well as billions of Christians across the world today because of his sacrifice. He didn't hold back anything. You don't hold back and God does big. God does big. Don't hold back. Don't in your heart say, well, God, I'll give you this. I'll give you that, but I'm not giving you this. That's mine. That's my area, God. Don't hold back. Give him everything. Give him everything. And we need to stop looking at what we don't have. Jesus can multiply your lack. And this is what's amazing. It is still little until you give it to God. If you were to examine yourself and your faults and your strengths before God, and you were to look at yourself through his lens, it doesn't ever change until it's handed over. You have to 100% fully commit and give it over to him because it doesn't change until it's given, which means we're like, we're asking for the Lord to assure us. And we're like, okay, I'll give it to you. And we're looking for some assurance along the way. There is no along the way. (laughs) Wow. There's just, Lord, I surrender. We did the same thing at the cross. When we got saved, there was more stuff he was going to dig for that you didn't know was buried in you. But what did you do? You gave it all. 
you wept before him. Some were tears of sorrow and some were tears of joy, but you were exhausted before him. I know at, Siri, at levels where the Lord really saved, I mean, I, I made a commitment with my head and then it became my heart later on in life. You guys know what I'm talking about, where it becomes a really serious thing in him. And, and I mean, I was abandoned. Who knows, the Lord has found more stuff in me since then. But it was everything I had. I gave him every ounce of me at that moment. And that's all he needed. And then when he shines the light and he finds some more in you, and he says, just give me that. Not just the hurts and the pains in the past and the stuff that we love Jesus for, but he also says, I want you to give me your ability. You go, oh, Lord, this is for me. I'm going to use this ability because, you, you, Lord, you don't understand. I got things structured. I've got things figured out. I've got a 50-year plan in, in place. Come on, it's really silly when we look. Imagine the disciples tried to do this feat on their own. Like I said, they would have had to bring a scalpel. I don't, I don't, even, think, I don't even think that it would have been a taste on their, on their lips. Time you broke down these loaves and fish. Come on, we, we just need to give God everything. And the Bible says, he said the same thing, that he sits them down, they ate all that they wanted. You have to realize that this is impossible. It's impossible on purpose. Do you know the things that God does in your life? Who has seen God do impossible things already? He does it so far, so beyond you, so big beyond you on purpose. If it was close to your ability, and in fact, when you do things, the things that we're calling God that are so close to your ability, they might not be God yet. They might just be the God abilities in you. But the stuff that's God is so far, he does it in your life so far, so big, so beyond you on purpose so that you look and say, I had nothing to do with that except all I did was I handed out what he gave me. I just gave what he gave me. That's it. It, it is so far from me. It's so much bigger than me. It has so little to do with me. I don't know how he did it. I just gave, I said, Lord, I'm willing. Here's my heart. Lord, I'm willing. Here's my heart. And he did something so bigger, so much bigger, so far beyond me. And now I know that God is God. I know it's not me. It wasn't all I was, was, was for him to be able to pass through. Amen. Does this make any sense? I had a few things I wanted to say. We get anything out of this today? I could keep going, you know. <laughs> Amen. There's a lot more. There's always a lot more. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you, God. Let's just stand. Let's just give him glory. Lord, we just, let's just raise our hands to him. Thank you, Lord. Lord, the hardest thing for us to do is to surrender. It's the hardest thing for humanity to do. Lord, it breaks your heart more than it will ever break ours. Lord, it breaks our heart, Lord, those that won't surrender to you. But Lord, your heart, we can't even imagine, Lord, how much it hurts you that this world rejects you.
But Lord, as Christians, what we cannot, what we will not be is ones that have said yes to you and have accepted your love, have accepted your grace, have accepted your mercy, but then won't surrender everything to you. Lord, we won't be that church. We will not be that people. Lord, we're not just holding back. Lord, we're not going to hold back the things that we want. Lord, we gave you the stuff that hurt us. We gave you the hard stuff, Lord, but we are not going to hold for ourselves. Lord, we're just going to give you everything. Lord, even our own lives, Lord. As Romans says, Lord, living sacrifices, Lord, it says that it's a pleasing aroma to you. We thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray, search our hearts in this church. Lord, shine your light to the deepest depths of us, Lord. And I pray that you would expose, Lord, every area in us that has not surrendered. And I pray, Lord, that when you ask those things of us, that we would give it to you freely. We don't need to understand why you want it or what you could possibly do with it. But Lord, I thank you because your word is clear. I know, Lord, this church, we know because you're a big God. Lord, because we're not going to stay in our stupor, Lord. We're going to look to you, and we're going to see how big you are. You are so far beyond us, and we know as your church, Lord, and we just make this declaration. Lord, let's just pray this together. Lord, I give of me. I give you everything. And Lord, I thank you. When I give the little I have, you turn it into so big into so great. It's beyond this world. It's supernatural. And all the glory goes to you. And I get to share in that with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.